0: looks like to follow Jesus in a selfie-centered world. And so this is part four. I'm just doing do a little review if you're kind of catching up to this series. Um, you can listen online. We have all the messages. You can kind of catch up to on, on there to hear the other parts of it. Um, but today we're going to kind of wrap it up. So what is the look like to follow Jesus in a selfie-centered culture? Part one, we talked about contentment. Uh, envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. And So we talked about the more we compare our lives with others, the less satisfied we are. Uh, We said the way you got to beat that and learn to be content is you have to kill comparisons and envy by celebrating the success of others and cultivating gratitude. And in part two, we talked about intimacy and relationships. We said we have to make sure technology is enhancing our relationships, not replacing them because life is about how many – it's not about how many likes you get but how much love you show, how many relationships you build. So we must focus on loving others more and really interacting with them rather than just liking their posts. Now was part two, practical steps. We said a couple of things to do is be present and be engaged. Like put the phone to the side, put social media aside, and just whoever you're with, and be engaged with them and just be 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 um, be there and uh, be present. Part three, last week, Robert did a fantastic job talking about authenticity. Um, he, he said you know in our culture we're losing this, uh, and, and he compared it to uh, an Old Testament uh, prophet named Moses. He said even in his day. Um, he still struggled with being authentic and being real and being open with, with what really is going on, and it's a challenge. And this is what he said about um, about, about Moses, and he quoted Paul. Uh, it says this, that a veil that first covers the face eventually covers the heart. And what he was meaning by that is when we put filters on all of our pictures and all of the – in our life and we show people just the best. Uh, what happens is sometimes we begin to, to, to veil that and cover the the, the, the real part. Um, it eventually will cover our heart and we'll start believing our own press and we'll try to keep people away from the things that they really need to know. So the veil that first covers our face or so the, the filter will eventually cover our heart. And so we need to learn to break that Learn by being authentic, by being real, by having people in your life that you can really be open and be honest with. So that was part, part three. So today we're going to kind of talk about Wrap it up with part four of rest. We're going to talk about what it looks like, rest for our soul, and, and, and what that looks like. So I read Psalms 23. There's some references in there where as God leads us, he refreshes and restores our soul. How many of you guys know uh, we need that sometimes in the middle of our days? It gets crazy. We need to be able just to, to pause and breathe. Because if we don't, we'll go crazy, and we'll we get focus on the wrong things, and we'll never really learn to enjoy things because we're always going, 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 going. So I'm going to give you, um, for technology, we're going to talk about what, what it looks like when, if you're really addicted. So this is not my top seven list, but a pastor in, in Oklahoma. And so he put it together, how to know you're addicted to social media. Seven ways to know you might be addicted to social media. Number seven, you plan your hashtag TBTs a week in advance. If you don't know what a hashtag TBT is, you're probably not addicted to social media. All right? You're, it's your throwback Thursday. And so if you're planning your throwback Thursdays, like this week I'm going to show my first – you know, my first grade picture because it's so cute. And in two weeks, I'm going to show when I, you know, score that touchdown. And in three weeks, I'm going to, you know, if you're planning that, you might have a problem. All right. Um, number six, your cat has its own Instagram profile or page. All right. So if you have a cat, kid, you know, whatever kind of thing you want to have, have for, you might be addicted to social media. Number five, you look forward to going to the bathroom So you can get to level seven on your favorite game, right? Like I gotta beat this game. So if your legs are falling asleep while using the restroom, you might have a problem, right? Number four, because you're sitting on the toilet too long, you're playing your game, you might be addicted. Not my list, just using somebody else's list. Number four, you change your Facebook profile more often than a twelve-year-old girl. Just watch some twelve-year-old girls, okay? And if you're changing more than them, you might have a social media problem, right? Number three, you sleep with your phone like a teddy bear. you might have a social media problem, and we'll talk about that in a little while. Uh, number two, you say sorry, not sorry in real life. I didn't know what that meant, Matt, so I'd ask somebody what does that mean, and, you know, they use that for social media. It's kind of like a um, passive-aggressive, you know, sorry, but I'm not sorry. So if you're using that in real life, you might have a social media problem. Sorry, not sorry. And number one, uh, you come on to your spouse by saying hashtag, are you in the mood? All right. <laughs> or you text them. Yeah, we talked about the, the second week, right? And I embarrassed my wife. It was awesome. She hid underneath the seat. Was, that's, that's, that's hard to do because my wife is awesome. She's never embarrassed. So um, here's the real problem with social media is our brains won't shut down. Uh, we get so addicted to the, and so uh, enamored with all the things going on, we just can't stop sometimes. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and why it's so important. You might not think there's a problem with social media. Let me give you some statistics, all right? 58% of us... Don't go one waking hour without checking our phones. More than half of us can't go one hour without checking our email, checking our Facebook, checking our whatever. 59% check emails that comes in. So as soon as it beeps, like, bing, I got an email. What does it say? Oh, it's from whatever, you know. Uh, I get, I get a model price thing like every day, two times, two or three times a day. I'm like, are you serious? I don't want any more emails from you. So if you're checking it, you have a problem. 89% check it daily, even on vacation. All right. There's a lot of us that have to t- check our email, even on vacation. Might not think we have a problem, but 89% of us, I think, do. 80% of teenagers sleep with their phones. Wait that for a second. Eight, four out of every five kids, student, teenager students, they're sleeping with their phone. That could be a problem, right? Interrupted sleep, being addicted to that. Uh, 84% believe they couldn't go one day without their phones. Teenagers. So I think I think as as we got into this series, I, I knew it was going to be helpful. I didn't realize how helpful it was going to be because I began to study this the stats and began to look at this. I began to ask questions for my kids like, "Oh my goodness, what are we teaching my kids?" So my kids don't have phones. They ask for phones all the time. I'm like, can I get a phone now? My friend has a phone. I'm like, no, he can't get a phone. Um, and they want it. And they, they want. We already see the the draw and the desire to be you know plugged into connected to a phone. So sometimes it's lot, for many of us, it's the last thing at night we check, the first thing in the morning that we check, uh, our, our, our updates, our Facebook, our likes, all that. Um, it, it puts us at risk because it makes us unable to be able to shut down and just disconnect and not worry about it. Our brain is always running. It's kind of like we're, we, we won't stop. We just keep going, 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 going. Well, our souls need rest. Our bodies need rest, but our souls also need rest. And this always connected is, is not necessarily good for us. We're talking talk more about that. I, I mentioned FOMO, new new word in the dictionary, right? Fear of missing out. Talked about that the second week. Well, there's another one, Psychology Today, the magazine. I said there's this new fear that psychologists talk about. And this is called nomophobia. Nomophobia. I'm not making this up, all right? Nomophobia, you could probably figure it out. No mo, right? No mobile device. So it's the fear of being without a mobile device. Here's the thing. 60% of adults feel extreme anxiety when, they're, when they don't have their phone for an extended period of time. 66 of us feel anxiety if we don't have our phone for extended period of time. 77% of 18 to 24-year-olds have extreme anxiety when they're disconnected from their phone. All right, so I don't know if you think that that should kind of wake us up and say, wow, that's a big deal. When When we kind of start feeling a little uneasy because we don't have a little plastic glass thing that's not in our pocket or our hand. That's almost three out of four students that feel extreme anxiety when they're disconnected from a mobile device. It's a big issue. Carrie Newhoff, a pastor in Canada, he says this about social media and technology. He says, like money, social media is a great servant but a terrible master. It's a great servant, but it's a terrible master. And here's what's happening: as we get more and more addicted to social media and to our technology, it becomes the thing that drives us. It's become the thing that controls us, and we no longer control it. We're at the whims of our of our dings and our, and our in our vibrations po- and our in our pocket and our and our phones as it goes off. We talk about this—the chemicals that are released when you know somebody likes a post or somebody says something nice to us. The, the dangerous part is they're not there in person, um, or somebody texts you something and you read it wrong, right? Because there's no emotion, you get really uh, uh, frustrated, and it, it changes the trajectory of your day. Paul talks about this in First Corinthians. He's addressing a, a culture uh, and, uh, to the Corinthians, the church in Corinthians. He's saying um, he, he goes to this list of, of all of these different cultural pressures on them, a lot of it sexual pressures of what people believe and he's going through all this and he, and he gets to this place where he says you, you know even it might it might even be legal all right and and, and the people are saying this well go to first Corinthians six twelve. i have the right to do anything you say but not everything is beneficial so the people are saying even though it's legal like you know you're it's not illegal to post on social media you can post every minute if you wanted that's not illegal but it's not actually beneficial it's not very necessarily good for you you get addicted to a screen and you forget to have relationships with people. That's kind of the point of this message. We're saying it's more important. So he goes on to say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So Paul is addressing this issue of us becoming um, mastered by, any, by something. He said we cannot become mastered by anything. Even though we're free to do whatever we want, don't become mastered by it. Don't let it become a life-controlling issue. Don't become so addicted to this thing that you cannot stop. Because now it's no longer um, benefiting your life if it's a good thing. It's actually redirecting your life and taking away from your life. And if it's a bad thing, then it's really destroying your life. So don't be mastered by anything. The, the re- writers of Hebrew, he talks about when it comes to rest, that God has a special r- rest in Christ for us. So the writer of Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, he says this. That, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God for all who have entered into, into God's rest Have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. So he's talking about a special rest. He's talking about a Sabbath rest. So in the Bible, God, in the beginning, he says that he created for six days. He created all these things and and takes us through the creation story. And on the seventh day, he rested. He didn't do any work. And he gives us this pattern that we're supposed to actually follow. And so the writer of Hebrews is referring back to the people of Israel so they were slaves for 400 years to the Egyptians. And when they were slaves, their worth came from what they could produce. So they were only as valuable as what they could produce with their work. So as slaves, they would give them these jobs to do. And if the slaves got sick, if they were weak, you know, they, they would get beaten. In some cases, they would get killed because their value was only in what they did. I'm so glad we've evolved past that as a society, right? Our value doesn't come from what we do. That's, that's a joke. We, what's the first question people ask you when, when you meet them? What do you do? Why? Because our value is in what we do. A lot of times it's not in who we are. And our culture is driven by doing and producing and all of that. And so Paul's addressing this issue, and the writer of Hebrews is addressing this issue, saying there's a special rest for those who are in Christ. If you'll follow God's ways, He will help you have rest for your soul. There's a rest. It's this, it's this rhythm that God wants us to have in our life of work, 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 rest. Six days you work, one day you rest. And in fact, God says when you do this, you're going to actually be honoring me because you're saying I'm going to work those six days and do my best. But on the seventh day, I'm going to just unplug. I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to trust you for the rest of the, what has to get done. See, our, as, as Christians, if you're not a Christian today, this, this is really talking to those who are saying we want to follow Christ. If you're not, then I hope you decide to follow because he's awesome and his ways bring so much fulfillment and joy to our lives. But he's addressing Christians here, saying you have to have this rhythm in life of work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. And this, this is going to apply to social media in a second we talk about. But What we're saying to God is a faith statement. Everything in our walk with God, is, is a, it starts with a step of faith. And the reason is because we're trying to add God into the, the equation. We're inviting him into it. See, if, if you're waiting at the end of it to do it, then you're really not inviting God. So you're taking a step of saying, God, I'm going to trust Your ways. And here's the thing: God can do more on the one day that you do nothing than you can do with six days in a week. I guarantee. If you're working super hard to get contracts into whatever it is at work that you're doing, you know He can give you the, the rest that you need, the wisdom to be able to accomplish that in the next six days. He can open doors for you that you can you can't open for yourself. And when we trust God by saying, I'm going to pause, I'm going to disconnect. We're actually inviting him into our our life, into our daily schedule. St. Augustine said it like this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. There's this part of our life that only God can fill. It's a God-shaped hole uh, that only Jesus can fill, only God can fulfill. And St. Augustine is saying, "We, we need you to help us with that. Only then will we find rest for our souls. So we try to fill that with all these different kind of things. You know, acceptance, alcohol, drugs, you know, popularity, whatever it is. And they don't fit. They never fill that hole, make us fulfilled. But God is the only thing that can really fulfill that that, that void that we have in our lives. Jesus says it like this. Matthew 11, 29, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. You know, you ever have those weeks where you're just like exhausted? Like, I don't think I could take anything else. Emotionally, I'm spent. I, I've given all that I have. Well, isn't that... Jesus is inviting us, saying, if you're, if you're weary, if you're burdened, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He invites us to say there's a place in him where we can, we can find rest. And here's the truth. When you learn to rest and take a break, you actually enjoy everything else a whole lot more. Because when you're stressed out, when you go from week to week to week to week, and it never slows down, it doesn't get better. It only gets worse, and it only gets harder, and it only gets more difficult. He's saying learn to have this rhythm in your life. So the question, how do we find rest? Number one, be still. Learn to be still. The psalmist says in 46.10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. God's talking to us. Just be still. Know that I'm God. I got you covered. I can take care of this. I can handle it. Step out in faith and just trust me. Disconnect. Psalms 131.2, But I have, st- I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I still and quieted my soul. We have to learn to be still. The second part of this is we have to make a plan. Proverbs thirteen six 6 says, um, A wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. A wise person thinks, he makes a plan, he understands what's coming, he says, I have to make a plan. Make a plan. Like Paul said, I will not be mastered by anything. I have to make a plan so I can move forward. You know, we ha- this is both offensive and defensive. We have to get things in place that are going to keep us away from things that are harmful. And we have to get things in place that are going to help us become more healthy in our relationships, that we're, um, we're, we're, we're going after the right things. This might mean uh, no phones during a meal. That might be a de- defensive plan. The offensive would say, I'm going to have a daily plan of reading my Bible. that would be, be being proactive and moving forward. That would say no, no groups in certain meetings, or no, or um, no phones in certain meetings, like in groups, or when I'm at dinner, you know, or after a certain time. Uh, the offensive would say I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend just five minutes of just quiet, of just breathing and just, just waiting on on God and just being being still, because it's so uncommon for us. Defensive would say I'm gonna put my phone on do not disturb or night setting at a certain time. Offensive, offensive would say I need consistent time of prayer or worship. You know, uh, defensive saying uh, there's no social media at certain times of my day or certain times of whatever, my, my week, we take a break, right? Offensively, I'm going to spend time with the person, with somebody, just one-on-one and not be disturbed. Defensive, make a plan, be still. Be still. Jeremiah 6:16 6, says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So the prophet is saying, we're going to stand at these, God is speaking to the prophet saying, there's going to be these times where we come to these, these these forks in the road, and culture is saying, we need to go this way, and there's other options for us, and he's going to say, you're going to stand there. He says, why don't you look to the ancient paths? Why don't you look back to what God has told us, what has worked in the past, and let's try that. How about we try what he said? And that'll be the path that's going to lead to life. It's going to be a, a path where we find rest for our souls. Sabbath, unplugging, disconnecting, this is part of what god is asking us to do so when it comes to social media here's my challenge for this week and moving forward my challenge is make unplugging from technology and social media a part of your weekly routine like make sure it's in in your in your week that you disconnect from social media from technology if a lot of those stats and those things that i read that are they're kind of funny but they're you i mean you you really need to put some of these into your life like i need to teach my kids man, this cannot control your life you can't be addicted to these screens uh, one of the things that we'd use to, to discipline our kids is we ground them from, from from iPads and from phones and sometimes two weeks at a time. Can I tell you that a lot of times they're so much more engaged when there's not a screen in front of them because they're grounded? It, it's good. Yeah. It's a good thing because they, they talk and um, they, want, they want to ask questions. So, so unplug, disconnect from technology, from social media. Make it part of your routine. Just like work, 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 rest, right? Post, 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 post. Take a break from posting. Like, 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 don't pay attention to what everybody else is saying, right? Social media, our, our daily routine, get it in there. That's my challenge for you today. Uh, today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to wrap up our series with just to come some dialogue between Robert and myself um, to kind of just say there's some other al- elements to social media uh, that are there um, that we need to kind of be aware of. So, Robert, come on up. rest we really want you to have rest for your souls uh number two like two all right you need to come up a little forward be good so extra we're gonna talk about some extra stuff when it comes to social media there's some things how you doing
1: good I, I almost left my phone
0: over there i broke my phone a few months back and cracked the whole screen and some people thought I was on purpose because I wanted a new phone, but I couldn't use it for like a week, and I survived. So, yeah, it happens. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about some other things when it comes to social media technology that we have to be aware of. All right.
1: there's a, I mean, there's so many things there, because what social media is doing is that it's taking a, a big world, and it's really making it small. And not to mention that when we're scrolling through stuff, one of the things has to do with uh, compassion. And uh, because of how things are listed, right, You see, like the first thing you'll see is, you know, the cat video, someone with their cat. I don't know. What is it with cats? Anyway, um, they, you know, so you have that. And then the next thing you'll see is um, like this thing that Brian posted about his daughter. You know, please pray for my daughter, you know. So you like it because we like it, I mean, to, to acknowledge it. But, you know, maybe we say a quick prayer. Or we might ride on there. I don't like to ride on there because then I get everybody's repost and everybody who says, I mean. And then the next thing is someone graduating or some other thing. And so our brains, we don't, um, because it's all on one feed, one page like that, our brain, our brain can't really differentiate between the two. Yeah. If you and I were having lunch with Brian and he shared this thing, I mean, like, we would be like, what can we do? You know, that compassion uh, personally draws us to action. Right. You know, and you just, um, with, when you're sliding your finger and you can click and, oh, Lord, help them with uh, whatever, and, and you're on to your next posts.
0: Yeah, That's it's all the, even. Yeah. Well, they did a study about this. Um, this is what they found when it comes to compassion, that we care 40% less than, people, than we did back in the 80s and the way they did this study is they asked some questions like um, sometimes I try to understand friends better by looking at their perspective uh, that went down right? I often have tender con- concerned feelings about less fortunate people than me that went down 40% Fewer call recall themselves uh, soft hearted that went down all right? other misfortunes they don't bother us as much so we care 40% less and here's the sad thing most of us actually don't even care about that stat
1: yeah it's true it's true,
0: right? I just read that, yeah. and you're like, "So what? 40 percent is not bad, dude." Yeah, we don't even care about that. 40 percent—that's like almost half less than what we cared about in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And part of this social media actually plays into this because um, it's not a real person; it's a screen. It's not a real issue; it's a—it's a sentence or it's a whatever. Right. And it affects us.
1: Right. And that—that's a true stat for newspapers and things like that. We hear—we hear about somebody. You know, in a foreign country, this whole thing went down with France and all that stuff, etc. But if someone dies in your city, brutally murdered or whatever, I mean, it's so much different than these things. And so now we have it in social media as we're flipping through.
0: Yeah. And every time they yeah. come, we make a big deal about that, but then we yeah. move the next That's
1: week. That's so much more.
0: So we need to learn care more. So social media actually takes away our mm-hmm. compassion. We need to learn right. to engage and really um, embrace really what has happened out the right. world. Care for people
1: right.
0: um, more. So, all right. Yeah. What about a self-esteem um, but, and insecurities? Yeah, I talked a little
1: bit about that when we did um, when I did authenticity in that because what happens is, especially if if you're sleeping with your phone, um, it's a problem. And the big problem is is that with social media, we're we're putting ourselves out there for a vote, and and the more likes we get the more and this is this is the sad thing i think eric is that subconsciously consciously we are equating someone's like to that they care and it's this sense of, of people are caring for me people are look you know that i'm being validated and it it's feeding this sense of self esteem and yet the reality is i mean they will we it's, we don't like somebody we don't want their posting even if i've liked them 500 times in the last month or whatever i just click on friend they're gone and you don't have you have the illusion of friendship the illusion of people caring without the demands of friendship and the demands that come with truly caring caring and that that self esteem issue i talked about the fact that work worked you know, longing for likes when we're really really longing for love and that we really need to get our validation from the Lord. And and Christ loves us. God approves of me. Jesus died on the cross for me so that I could be um, right with him. Yeah. You know, but I'm still out there hoping for likes.
0: Yeah, and the truth is we have this stuff in front of us all the day. We have pictures of people that aren't even real pictures. They're filtered. They're Photoshopped. How can we compare? You know, mm-hmm. especially females. I, I get I get this. They they there's a, a big thing when it comes to their, their body and, and they see these pictures of women who, you know, are pretty much perfect and somebody's sent. They thought that was perfect. Right. And and we can't compare to that. So it creates this insecurity, it creates right. this um yeah, this, this self esteem issue or we're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that is bad. Right. That's really bad. Right, and that's the comparing thing. Yeah, exactly the comparison. comparison. One. Yeah. Insecurities as guys, yeah. as women Insecurity just means you don't have your security in a, in a firm place. It's something that's going to shake. It's something that's going to change. It's, if, if your security comes from how you look, you'll never be secure mm-hmm. because you're on something that's going to be changing. We all age. We all get older, and we'll all eventually die. So if our security is in that, it's always going to be an insecurity because it changes. It can't ever sustain. And when you look, what you look like when you're 20, you will not look like it when you're 40, and that's an okay thing. We mm-hmm. have to begin to embrace and say it's okay, right. and so yeah. that that, that it's affects part us. Of life. So yeah, get your confidence in the right thing, not the wrong thing. Right. How about pornography? Let's talk a little uh, about um, th- that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's just incredible the, what what social media has done. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you might you you walk into school, you might see something on the side of the road, and then you're you know doing things you shouldn't be doing. Because you found – now it's just in my hand. And, and I've, I've stopped going to any of these posts where it's like, monster trucks, check out this video. Or my favorite is, you won't believe what he did next, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then you click over there, and the thing is so full of ads and all that stuff like that. You can't even – I can't even find the monster truck video. But on every one of those, it seems, if it's guy-oriented at all, as you scroll toward the bottom – I mean, there it is. You know, 24 pictures where this—you know—the girls didn't know the camera was on. You know, just stuff like that. It is—it is so available. Yeah. You know, and it's—it's feeding—it's um, feeding that thing in, in men for being visually stimulated, and those kind of things. And it, it's. Uh, There's just so many things wrong with what's going on there.
0: Let me give you some stats. Some of you might not think this is a big deal. It is a big deal. 70% of men, 18 to 24, they visit porn sites each month. One in three users, they used to think this was a guy's problem, but now one in three users are actually women. Mm -hmm. 12 to 17 is the highest consumer of porn. So ages 12 to 17, if you want to know who's consuming the most – 12 to 17 how many of you guys would say that's a problem that's a problem that's a problem our their brains aren't even developed fully yet and it, mm-hmm. it affects the way we process and the way we, we go to things uh, how we how we think about things um, so one a uh, little more than one in every five teenage girls has posted either a nude or semi-nude picture online how many of you think that's a, problem? that's a problem you can't get those pictures back so once they're out there they're out there it's mm-hmm. a big deal so social media technology this stuff can really affect us um, some support – some studies even support the correlation of the use of social media with marital infidelity. Like mm-hmm. there's, it, 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 there's reason to maybe go outside of, of your relationship with your wife or your husband, and it, that's part of what they tie some of this to.
1: Right. So uh, it's a big deal. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, two out of three men think pornography is actually okay. Like it's not a big deal. That's like what our culture now says. Two out of every three men. All right, you get that? Like it's, it's not a big deal. Why is it a big deal? I'm gonna, it's in my personal thing. Women, half of all women think it's not a big deal. Uh, one decade ago, the numbers were a lot lower. So just in 10 years, the way we even think about pornography has changed drastically. Uh, it's a big deal. It affects us. Um, I picked up a, a, a magazine. I was in the library, and I was getting ready for one of the messages a few weeks back, and I read a Time magazine this week. I'd recommend it. Parents, if you have kids, go read this magazine. Um, if, if, you're, if this is an issue you have, I would recommend read this magazine. Here's, here's a perspective. It has nothing to do with morals. They say that in the beginning. Our stance here has nothing to do with morals, but has everything to do with physiology and, 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 and uh, so sociology and all of that, that that add to this. And Time Magazine wrote, wrote this article about pornography, and there's this movement of guys who saying porn is bad, not because of morals. Like they don't think it's bad. Look at that. There's something else. And it tells a story about this young this, this man now who, who, who became addicted to pornography when he was a kid. So about age 12, he began just to fill that diet you know, of looking at more and more and more and more. And when he got to this place when he was 19, he actually had an opportunity to have a physical uh, a sexual relationship with a female, and he couldn't do it because she wasn't like the thing on, t- on, on the TV or on the screen or on his computer. He couldn't. And for many encounters he had with women – this is his story right, in Time Magazine. I'll go read it. And he says, um, I, I had the real thing in front of me, but I wanted the fake thing. The real thing wouldn't even do it for me. And that was the problem. The whole basis of this is saying there's a physical problem when you are addicted to this because it affects your actual – the real relationship you have with people. So if you're not a Christian, man, I would go read Time Magazine. If you are a Christian, here's what Paul says about it. All right? in go to the next one for me. This is in Ephesians five three. He says, <laughs> but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So – let right. there not even be a hint of sexual morality. Paul, God has calling us to a higher standard. Right. Even if culture says it's not a big deal, you can look at it, it's not going to affect you. I would say there's a lot of hints there, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, for me, it's it's really it boils down to a lot of these boil down to the law of sowing and reaping. And if you're if you're married and you're looking at porn and you're, that's the stuff that comparing between those girls and your wife. It's only you're sowing seeds of um, doubt into your relationship. you're sowing seeds um, that are going to bring corruption in your heart, in your mind, towards your wife. It'll destroy your relationship as a pastor. I've seen it over and over again um, and, and that And you know what Eric, I don't want that in my life.. Right. And, and so you, the thing with, with the feed, is that a lot of times guys are making an emotional decision as to whether you're going to look or not. And females too, whether you're going to look or not. It's an emotional decision for you in the moment. And, and you can't do that. You will never have success if you're making an emotional decision. You need to decide, I don't want that in my life. And then you have to make a plan for how you're not going to have that in your life. Because it will come up. I mean, you can try and avoid it as much as you want, but there will be a time where you're alone and there it is. And you have to be able to have made that decision beforehand. Otherwise, you're sowing and you will reap. You will reap. Yeah.
0: We'll do a whole message one of these days on, on – just on that sexual stuff and porn, and we'll kind of go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is, is the real cost of relationships. I had a question. Robert, he's going to Texas, kind of bummed about it. We've enjoyed him kind of coming and sharing. But somebody asked me, like, how did you choose, Robert, to be part of the Grove to help teach the teaching ministry? And, like, cause that's, that's a little – just so you guys know, that's a little unique. Um, and there's churches that are more mature that kind of have this in place. But as a, as a new church, this is very rare. We have a couple guys that can kind of share the load of, uh, of teaching and their responsibility. And really they asked me the question, like, what, what led to that? Um, and, and the truth was because I learned to trust this guy. Um, I've known him for six years, so six years of building relationships and, and moving, uh, just sharing common things together. But really where I learned to trust him the most is, is riding next to him on a bicycle for 500 miles. All right, So five, <laughs> five days, 500 miles, you get a lot of conversation, a lot of time. There was only four riders that year, the yeah, first year. The
1: first year, in 2013. It
0: rained every single day except once, like yeah. all day. It was like the we got the storm of the century or something like that, right? Hundred year flood. Hundred year flood. Yeah. And um, we rode through that, and being next to somebody, just seeing the, their their per- perseverance, things like that. Anyways, so the cost of relationship is really is is time, time it invested.
1: Is. It is. It's time. It's it's being able to share things, Eric. And we've, we haven't just, it hasn't been all roses. I mean, we've, I've been able to, like, share some of the hard things of my life with you, um, and you with me. And we, we've experienced some of those things and, and been able to, you know, build that relationship because we've, we've experienced the demands of friendship. Yeah. And that, and I mean, when you guys came over, I, I don't know if I told you how much it, I was trying to, I bought Lori all these gifts for her, birthday they were trips you know and then we got handed my mom and we can't go anywhere and when you willingly with sincerity came over and hung out with my mom for the day so that we could go snowboarding it just meant so much i mean i mean that's that's the demand of friendship i hated asking you um but you were let us know let us know let us know yeah you
0: know? I think that's, that's something to talk about. I mean all of us have – if you find it difficult to ask people to help you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's I like we we have this problem, but the truth is usually your friends are like, yeah, I'll help. Like, man, you need a date with your wife. You need to get out and go do that because you're going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a big deal. It was, it was actually easy for us to know that we were actually helping in that. But here's the thing. So technology, it helps us to be more efficient, right? Mm-hmm. It gives us a sense of being connected. Um, but friendship is not built on speed and efficiency. Let I me mean, right. just tell you that. You're not going to become somebody's close friend overnight, and you know, because if you liked a hundred posts or you 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 sent them hundred text messages every day, right. it's not going to build your friendship. It's time invested. The speed of friendship really is slow. It's slow. Yeah, it's slow. And I, we
1: we've both experienced that where people are, they you know come into your life, they want to be your best friend instantly, and in in I don't know how you are because I'm older, so the social media is a little, you know. <laughs> Distant, distanced-ish from me. and um,
0: Far away. It's not that far. I'm old. <laughs> I think that's what he was trying to say.
1: That's what I'm trying not to say, Eric.
0: <laughs> he turned 50 and he thought it was the end of the world. It's just 50, man.
1: I'm going to remind you when you turn 50. All right. Sounds Actually, good. I'll remind you when you turn 40. <laughs> so
0: anyway, I mean,
1: for me, you know, someone comes into your life, you know, and they want to hang out all the time. And they like kind of glob on you. It's what how we used to describe it. It's like, whoa, you know, time out. This is like too fast, too much. You probably have an agenda, you know, and, and we've had those friendships and it. it really isn't too long before that agenda surfaces when you're when you're around somebody well with social media I mean it's it's hard to gauge that yeah you know because now it's all posting I, I I'm not sure if they have an agenda or not Are they you know but it's the true friendships are slow
0: yeah
1: it takes time and investment on both parties and, and all that and, and we, we're losing some of that yeah. yeah, we're losing some of that. If you want
0: to know somebody, go on a bike ride with them for 500 miles <laughs> this September. I'll be doing it. Join me. That's all right? That's right. That's we're sad. trying to get Robert to come back and do it too. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Um, I hope – we hope that Hashtag Struggles has kind of just opened some conversations for you, some, some ways to think about even what we face as a culture of social media technology. And there's some great things in it, but there's also some unintended negative consequences that come along with that. Um, but we kind of want to wrap up like this. You know, we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus in a selfie-centered world. Um, a big part of that is He is, is Christ and God is calling us to live different. And maybe you're here today, and you, you maybe this is your first time to church in a long time. Um, our challenge, would, would, you, would you put your trust in God? You know, Jeremiah said, when you're at that crossroads, look to the ancient paths. Can I tell you, God's way has worked for generations of, after generation after generation. Thousands of years, his ways work. And when we go our own way and we let our hearts begin to dictate where to lead, they don't ever lead to the place we really thought it would, social media included. They're good things, but if we trust in those, they will lead us astray. In fact, our hearts and our emotions will lead us astray. That's why we have to look back to the ancient paths, Jeremiah says, to say, what is the way that God is trying to lead us? Because then we'll find rest for our soul and for our lives and we'll find success. So if you're here today, our invitation that we want to extend to you is this. Today, would you take a step towards God? Would you, would you begin that relationship with him where you say, I need rest for my soul. I need help in my life. Maybe some of the things we talked about, there's addictions in your life that you need to break. The first step of saying, God, I need your help to break these things. I'm addicted to self. I'm addicted to likes. I'm addicted to, to, to my security is and what other people think about me. Let God begin to break those in your life. And the first step is always saying, God, I trust you and the work on the cross that you did on my behalf. So do me a favor. Let's bow our heads as we close service today. And uh, if you're here today as we talk through all this, and maybe you're at a crossroads, um, God is inviting you to follow his lead. And you're wanting to know, do I go left or do I go right? What way do I go? God is saying, would you look to me? I'll help lead you on this, this path, on this life. You need rest for your souls. God is inviting you, saying, let me lead you as a good shepherd. If you're here today, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer that just says, God, I acknowledge that I've messed up. I acknowledge that I've went my own way. And today I turn and go your way. The Bible calls us repentance. The Bible says that when we repent, we turn away from the, the things that are bad for us and we go towards God, that he, he responds. That when we ask for forgiveness, he forgives. When we ask for help, he gives help. So if you're here today, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand and say, today I need, I need God's help. Awesome. I see those hands. Very cool. Anybody else? God, I need your help. Help me to be broke, break from these things that hold me back. Awesome. For you to raise your hand. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer just from where you're at, your seat right there. It's just it's a it's a it's a beginning of an invitation to God of saying, I want a relationship with you. Remember the speed of friendship is is slow and it takes time, but it always starts with one step. And today you're saying, God, I want that relationship and can I tell you he's he's extending the offer back saying, I want to be your friend, I wanna lead you. So if you raise that hand, would you say this prayer with me? Say, Father God, I need your help. I acknowledge that I have missed it in so many ways. That I have sinned against you. Would you please forgive me? I believe you died on that cross for me. So I can have a relationship with you. And so I can have healthy relationships with others. Today I invite you into my life. Lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.